0: Well, good morning, New City. Good to be worshiping with you this morning. I years ago, I went on a week-long mission trip to the Dominican Republic. I had been out of college for about a year, and I was working as an engineer, and so this was this was the first vacation that I took actually was to go down to the DR on this mission trip and we were going down to this place where uh, to... we were going down to visit two missionary families and they ran orphanages in the DR and the whole kind of concept for the trip was that we were going down there to be free labor for them and so we were gonna help them build a new orphanage that they were building and so we spent for that week we spent every day we would get up and go early and we were laying the foundation in cinder blocks, and there were a few people who were on the trip who, who had experience doing construction, so they were sort of guiding how to do this, uh, but the rest of us were just sort of manual labor, you know, carrying cinder blocks from one pile, bringing it over and putting it on top of the layer before it, uh, helping to build this foundation. And it was hot, I remember it being super hot, so we were putting sunscreen on every day, We were taking our shirts off, putting sunscreen on everywhere. But the thing that actually I remember most of all was the fact that there were um, so many bugs. So it was like super hot and you're sweaty and you got sunscreen you're trying to keep the sunscreen on, but you're also dealing with getting bitten by bugs all the time. So you're trying to manage that. And so I remember spraying myself down with sunscreen and then taking like, 30% 30% DEET and just rubbing it right. I know you're not supposed to do this, but I was like 22 or 23, I didn't really know any better. Just rubbing it right on my skin because I just couldn't handle the bugs anymore. And so this was every day. And, I, and then after, at the end of the day, you know, you'd you be exhausted, you'd be just covered in sweat and like sunscreen and DEET. And dirt, because you're doing construction. And we would go back to the place that we were staying. And there's like 12 or 15 of us staying in this one place. And there was one room with all bunk beds. And there was one shower for all of us. And we were like just filthy and grumpy. And it wasn't even a good shower. I think there was like a water tank on the roof. And you, and so the only water pressure you had was the water pressure that could be generated as the water moved from the roof down like 10 feet to where the bathroom was. There's no hot water heater, so it was cold. And it was just this trickle that you would sit and, with the handle and try and like wash yourself off. And in any, it was the worst shower I think I've ever used in my entire life. And in any other circumstance, I would have just gone, no thanks, I'll, I'll skip the shower, I don't need it. But we were so dirty, I was so dirty, so disgusting and sticky that I just, it didn't matter, I just needed to get clean. I needed to get the dirt and the grime and the chemicals off of my body before we went out to dinner or before I crawled into my sleeping bag. I just needed to get clean. I wonder if you can think of a memory in your life when you have felt dirty, dirty like that. And there's this deep drive to get clean. Another memory for me comes to mind. I went hiking with a friend out in Washington State, and we, a super hot day, sweat through all of our clothes, got to the top, and there was this glacier-fed lake. Just this beautiful crystal-clear water, and we stripped down our underwear and jumped in the lake, and it was like the most refreshing experience ever. Just needed to get all that sweat off, just get cleansed. I wondered, you, can, you, can something come to mind where you can remember being dirty or sweaty and just wanting so badly to get clean? Maybe after a sports practice when it was raining, the field was muddy. Or after you went hunting or hiking, coming home and just wanting to shower so badly. Maybe after a new city work day when we built the community garden out back. When has there been a time when you've been just filthy dirty and you've just been so looking forward to that shower to get clean? In our passage for today, Jesus is taking that experience, a deep desire within all of us when we get dirty or sweaty and we just long to wash all of that away, Jesus is making an analogy or using this as a metaphor. He's saying when that happens, there's something similar that happens in your soul and in my soul. There's a spiritual reality and a spiritual experience of getting dirty and then needing to be cleansed. There's a parallel here, Jesus is saying. You and I have a soul, and our soul can get dirty And we then need to be cleansed. What Jesus is talking about in our passage for today is how that happens for us. We're in the midst of Lent, as you uh, probably know. And we're journeying with Jesus through the last week of his life. And this is a, uh, a scene that plays out during the Last Supper. And Jesus is trying to communicate to his disciples in part what's going to be happening on the cross, but also what happens sort of in our everyday relationship with our Father in heaven and with the Spirit. He's communicating this spiritual reality about the soul through this very ordinary everyday practice of washing feet. And the heart of what makes this passage and action so powerful is reflected in the interchange that Jesus and Peter have. And what is revealed in this back-and-forth interchange that they have is that Peter has some resistance to Jesus washing his feet. He has some resistance to the idea of God in the flesh serving him. Typically, in our relationship with God or in the relationship with our own soul or spiritual matters, you and I tend to think about religion as something that we do to clean ourselves up to be presentable to God. We do religious acts to be good in order to be worthy to be in God's presence. That's why so much of religion is focused on self-improvement or external acts that signify to myself and to others that I'm good or that I'm already clean. That's why there's often a lot of advice and fixing in religious activity Out external markers, whether it's religious garb, official religious garb, or the unofficial, this is what good people wear, or status symbols about how holy you are. And what Jesus is doing here is emphasizing to Peter that this impulse within us to clean ourselves up in order to be presentable to God is exactly the reverse of what Christianity is about. Jesus is making it crystal clear that you and I cannot clean our own souls. This is something that needs to be done to us. And unless we can receive this act of service from God, we cannot be clean. Listen again to this back and forth. Verses 7-7. Through ten, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus is like, okay, calm down. Those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. You are clean. Though not every one of you. And then he's referring to Judas. This is an interesting passage. And Jesus is speaking symbolically, even in cryptic language here. On the surface, he's talking about two washings, a bath and then a foot washing. But the real meaning of this interchange is about something that happens in our soul. This first idea of washing the bath is likely refers to baptism. And this is sort of that initial coming into the Christian community or that initial act of you and I choosing to follow Jesus. There is something in our spirit that fundamentally changes when we make this decision. To, to trust in Jesus, to follow Jesus' example. There's like this wholesale thing that in this imagery of washing for Jesus, it, it's like a bath, like all of us is cleansed, all of us is changed. The, the old worldly self goes away and we rise up out of the waters of baptism into our new life in Christ and following this new way of living. That's the bath. And that's what Peter has already had. Because he's following Jesus. He's trusting in Jesus. He's learning from Jesus. He's a part of the community of Jesus' followers, the disciples. Peter's already gone through that. But what Jesus is talking about here is the second type of washing is, is more of like this ongoing, everyday experience. That in this passage, Jesus is using the imagery and the experience of foot washing to represent that. It represents Peter's ongoing need that he has to regularly be served by God. And Jesus says this isn't like an optional thing. This is an essential thing in the second half of verse 8. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. His point's clear. The washing is essential And Peter can't do it himself. You and I cannot do it ourselves. It's something that is done to us by Jesus, by our Father in heaven, by the Spirit. Again, remember, this is deeply symbolic language. Jesus is using this foot-washing experience to represent something that happens within me and within you. He's trying to take this mysterious spiritual reality and show us something very concrete and simple and practical in order to help us understand what's really going on. That in order for us to grow and be near God, to have a part of Jesus, to be welcomed into the divine fellowship of the Trinity, something needs to happen as we need to be cleansed. And this is something we cannot do on our own. And this experience parallels foot washing. Foot washing is, you know, not something that's a part of our everyday life. But in an ancient world, where they didn't have modern bathrooms like us, where it was super easy to just take a shower every day, they would need to wash their feet on a daily basis, because they'd be out traveling around in sandals in a dirty and dry climate, right? And they'd get filthy. And so they, just in their normal, everyday activities just being a human being in that world, you would get your feet dirty. In the same way that I needed to take a shower after working outside in this construction trip that I took, I came back, I needed to have a shower. This is the same thing. In our passage, the disciples are coming back from a day when they've been on the road, their feet are filthy, disgusting, and they need to get their feet washed. It's just normal part of life. And Jesus is naming that this same dynamic happens in our soul. In the ordinary, everyday experience of just living out in the world, my soul and your soul gets dirty. Nothing to be ashamed about. This is the reality of living in this world. Much like walking around Palestine, you're going to get dust and dirt on your feet. And just like in Palestine, that resulted in you needed a foot washing. So what Jesus is trying to point out is you and I need this cleansing to be happening to us on a regular basis. Because just living in the world, there's some dirtying that happens. Again, not something to be ashamed about. It's just what happens in this world when we go about our day. I kind of think this is something akin to, this is the best example I have for it. I was thinking about, like, my driving experience when I'm on the highway. Uh, like, when my family is getting ready to go on vacation, a lot of times we're, like, rushing. You know, my, my wife, Mary, and I are trying to wrap up work responsibilities before we leave. We're trying to pack the car. Or we sometimes pull our kids out of school maybe a few hours earlier to be rush hour traffic, especially if we're, like, trying to get up north where we're driving somewhere. And, and then as soon as I get on the road, I'm, I'm driving like kind of frantically because like that day of being in the mode of hurrying then translates to hurrying on the road. But then once I get up north at my parents' cabin and it's like restful and relaxing and I spend like two or three days resting and relaxing and moving at a slower speed, something shifts in my spirit. So this, this practice of like getting away, getting on vacation, spending a few days in the woods, like. There's a cleansing from all this hurry that happens. And then we, it's time to go, and I pack up the car more slowly than before. I'm more relaxed, and when I get in the car, I'm not speeding, I'm driving casually and slowly. But usually, you know, you get on 35 and there's traffic, and, and you, it's like slowly throughout the drive back, I like just being in that kind of hustle and bustle experience again, I start driving faster and faster and faster. If I've had a really long vacation, like if I've been up north for a week, maybe I'll make it all the way home and, and through the rest of the day and even to the next day where I'll stay like kind of chill and not hurrying. But usually just getting back into the rhythm of all the things that need to be done in life know, stuff, something shifts inside of me and I start hurrying and I get anxious again and I'm... Maybe then angry or trying to control things to make things get done quickly. Just living and being in this world, that way of doing things, it, it just sort of has this formative effect on my soul, and I, and I start to act that way. And this is just the reality of our soul. When we get out into that world, gets a little bit our soul gets impacted and shaped and a little bit dirty. And the everyday activities of life. Our soul gets pressed down by pressures, worries, uncertainties, pain, and hurt. And what happens is that, that ex- we start to experience that world. We, we reach out to, to take control or, or to change how someone thinks of us. We start trusting in something other than God. We, we trust in our own power to fix things. We, Trust in our own resources to keep us safe. Our our spirit clings to our own ability to win people over and convince them to do it our way. We trust in our own strength or our own intellect or our own status. Just in the everyday normal way of going through life and experiencing life out there in the world. This inner shift happens within us where we start trusting in all these things that aren't God. This is normal, but it dirties our soul. Our soul is meant for God alone. And we are most at rest, most at peace, most happy when our spirit and our our inner life is wholly oriented around the way of love for God, and for our neighbor. This is what we were made for. To love and trust that God cares for us. He watches over us. He'll never leave us. But when life doesn't go our way, and we're out in the world trying to get our jobs done and, and take care of all of our responsibilities, we just slowly drift away from this and start to trust in these other things. This is just a normal day in the world, but that's the dirtying of the soul. It's the turning of trust, turning away from God towards our own strength, our own power, our own control, our own resources, our own status. And so what we do is we need them to, we, we to get cleansed from this. This is a regular recentering of our spirit experience. And Jesus says, we can't do this ourselves. We can't will ourselves in this. This is something that God has to do for us. This is the way that God serves us. Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. And so Jesus offers through the Spirit to come and cleanse our soul after a day of out in the world of dirty feet, spirit comes within us and cleanses us just like jesus serves the disciples by washing their feet the holy spirit is on a mission to serve you to be within you and to do some soul cleansing this isn't a shaming process it's not like the spirit shows up and go why are you so dirty why did you get so dirty today why did you you try and say that one comment where you controlled that what that person thought of somebody else in order to elevate your status, or, or why did you check out and escape and not engage with your family members, or what? It's not that. The Spirit comes to us to serve us, the way Jesus serves the disciples, doing the dirty task of washing their feet. The Spirit serves us by cleansing our soul. By communicating God's love to you and to me deep within. In the midst of the the bad thing that we did or the way that we've dirtied our soul during the day, the coming of the Spirit's love into our inner being washes that away and we remember we are loved and we're okay. So we need to, can't clean ourselves up, but we need to stop in order to receive and allow this foot-washing experience of the soul. Sit still, allow the love of God to cleanse and reorient our faith. We need to, to, to pray or do some practice that reminds us that God's love is better than all other things and have a conversation with somebody else where we realize that God really and truly does care for us, and so we don't have to worry and fret about the future. We need to read a book or study the Bible so that we remember or experience the Spirit reminding us that God is close and we are never alone. God will not abandon us. This is something we need to experience regularly, even daily, just like the ancient Palestinians needed daily foot washing, because just normal human life of walking around dirtied the feet. So for you and I, normal everyday life dirties the soul. Again, not in a shaming way, but just in this way that we constantly need to be cleansed and reoriented and recentered on the love that God has for us by the Spirit who comes and serves us. And the biggest barrier for you and me is the same barrier that there was for Peter. We resist God serving us. We resist how passive Jesus is telling us the spiritual life is. This is not something I do. I don't self-better or self-improve. This is something that is done to me. Simon Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? No, you shall never wash my feet. There's just this resistance in our relationship with God. How is it that God is serving me, Peter thinks. It's supposed to be the opposite. I'm supposed to improve myself so that I serve God. But Jesus is like, no, if I don't serve you, you have no part of me. This is the way the spiritual life works. You need to allow God to serve you. This is so critical to understand in our spiritual journey. Because it's this resistance that keeps us from being near with God. Because we want to clean ourselves up first. We never draw near to God. But we just have to show up, dirty soul and all, and allow the love of God to overwhelm us. We often hesitate to pray because we don't feel worthy. We are slow to draw near to God because of our inadequacy or we feel some guilt about something we have done so it avoids us sitting down or going on retreat or reading the Bible. But all of that's normal. We're always going to have those. And we just have to go, well, God loves me anyways, and God is going to cleanse me. The Spirit wants me to show up, dirty soul and all, and He'll just love me right where I'm at. The Spirit cleanses and washes us in that way. We just have to believe that this is the God that we serve, a God who serves us. This is a God that we love and want to be in relationship with a God who gets down on His knees and washes our dirty feet. When I first got super eager about my faith and I was doing all sorts of spiritual disciplines, long times in prayer, fasting, or volunteering, giving, I was just like actively doing so much. But as I look back on that time... I realized that all of the spiritual growth that I was experiencing then and all the spiritual growth that I can notice myself experiencing more recently wasn't me doing anything. It wasn't even like some really great teacher doing something to me. It was the presence of the Lord doing it in me through others and through my activities. All I was doing was just showing up and then be willing to receive grace. The spiritual growth was never something that I made happen. The spiritual practices were me just showing up to receive, to put myself in that posture of being passive. This is the point that Jesus is making. And at the end of the passage, he even draws the parallel that, you know, he can't do this any other way because this is what he's experiencing from the Father. And this is then what He expects us to do to one another. Fundamentally, this is the the way love works. This is the way growth works. This is the way our spiritual life works. Fundamentally, growth in my soul and my spirit and in your soul and your spirit is always passive. It's always something that God is doing in you and in me. Throughout Lent we are um, closing our sermon with a reflection question. And the point is just to spend some time in quiet at the end of the sermon and and consider a question. And you can consider that in the quiet, just in prayer by yourself. Or if you want, you can have discussion with the people you're worshiping with. You can talk about how you would answer that question. And the question for today is, what spiritual practices help you to be in the passive position of receiving Christ's love for you. So I'm going to invite Jamie and Stephen to come up, and they're going to play for a little bit, and I invite you to be in a prayerful space of wondering and listening and just noticing. You don't have to do anything. Just think back and notice what helps you, what do you do that helps you just get in this posture of receiving. Our whole faith, is oriented around grace, which means our whole faith is oriented around God giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit. What practices help you receive that gift?